it's all about this introduction of Kylo Ren. You know, he's the offspring of Luke and Leia. Welcome to the Story Geeks Podcast. I'm Jay. I'm Shannon. And I'm Daryl. And today we are going to dig deeper into Star Wars The Force Awakens. And I should say, I don't think on our show we have to sort of give the spoiler warning anymore. No. Because we are who we are. (laughs) But I am going to say, just to be safe, spoiler alert for The Last Jedi. Ah, yes. Because Because we we all just saw that. that And how do you not? Yeah, how so. can you not talk about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might have to come up. It might have to come up. I, I, I tried to word the questions specifically so that we didn't get too far into that, but I'm sure And, like, a lot of my theories have changed since The Last Jedi, so it's like, all right, go back to the Force Awakens yeah. mindset, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Very true. All the theories are changing. Um, so you're hearing Shannon. Shannon Carter is from uh, Network 1901. She is their resident Star Wars expert, by the way. Indeed. <laughs> yes. So we had to have her on another po- Star Wars podcast. She was on our Rogue One podcast, uh, which was a pleasure to have her on there. So Shannon, tell us a little bit about Network 1901. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what are you up to? Where can people find you and all that stuff? <laughs> Yeah, so Network 1901 is basically a collection of podcasters. Um, It's me, Dale, Josh, Angie, and we talk about just everything under the Disney umbrella, like Star Wars, Marvel, just anything. We do three podcasts a week with a Friday rotating show. We make three uh, YouTube videos a week, and you can find us basically on anything at Network 1901. I myself am like very into story structure and character studies and just all that stuff, and I love to fangirl. I am the resident fangirl over at Network 1901. And you can always find me at McCarter Shannon on basically anything. Yes. Makes us sound so lazy. Three, <laughs> three videos a week, it, three it, podcasts. It, it's a, a lot. Week. It's just a lot. I also yeah. have a side channel that I just do for fun. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I was just watching your side channel for uh, for some reason. There was something for some you reason. did. Yeah. Well, because a lot of times you talk about, you do book reviews. And I so, do. And I talk about Star Wars books over there sometimes. That's what it was. It was mm. a Star Wars book, I think. Yeah, because... there'll be a, a Bloodline review early in the year coming out. I just finished that. Oh, nice. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I think it was your Phasma review. because ah. Yeah, because I actually have read several uh, books from that author, and they're, they're they tend to be pretty hit or miss Mm. Uh, i think she's a really good writer but i just think that sometimes the plots yeah it it was it was a lot of this it was just the way it was structured because i feel like the plot in the story was there it just was like ordered in a very strange way uh got it yeah that makes sense i can see that Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you for joining us. Um, it's great to have like the premier <laughs> Star Wars expert from Network 1901 on our show. So that's, I mean, that's pretty you know. special. <laughs> I'm um, so excited to finally be able to do some fangirling. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, the first question is is probably one of the easier ones, I would imagine, at this point. So, and because, okay, so we've all seen The Last Jedi. In fact, I think. Shannon, how many times have you seen The Last Jedi? I have seen it three times. I was thinking about going a fourth today, but I think I might just let it sit for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen it twice, right? Yeah. Daryl? Yeah, and I've yeah. seen it twice as well. And as we record this, it's been out for just over a week. Yeah. Right, right. So we've all seen it that many times in a week, which is... <laughs> Although I did listen to a podcast yesterday where both guys had seen it four times already. And, and actually, they recorded the podcast on Monday. Wow. I mean, <laughs> hey, like, I would have gone again if I had time. Yeah, yeah Sky Talkers, like Charlotte from there, she's seen it five times. 
Oh wow! I know, right? <laughs> That's awesome. I want to. I want to get up to that level. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> the first question on here is, um, where does this film rank within your Star Wars films? However, why don't you just give us your full list if you have it handy? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So from from worst to best. From worst to best. From wor- uh, if you want to do it that way, that's Let's fine. Do it that me. way, yeah. More suspense. Okay, <laughs> More suspense. okay. So my <laughs> bottom one is actually um, Return of the Jedi, and then Phantom Menace, and then tied are A New Hope and Attack of the Clones, and then Empire Strikes Back, Rogue One, uh, Revenge of the Sith, The Force Awakens, and The Last Jedi. Nice. That's that would be uh, probably pretty controversial in some circles. I it is very <clears throat> controversial. A lot of people do not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never would have guessed that. That's all right. <laughs> What's yours, Daryl? Okay, for me, number ten is Attack of the Clones. Um, number ten. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna include the holiday special. <laughs> no, I'm, <sorry. laughs> I'm just gonna assume Episode Nine is better than all of the prequels. No. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, number nine is Attack of the Clones. Okay. Um, eight, Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Seven, Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Six, six. Right, I'm on six yeah. now. Yeah. Six, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, six would be A New Hope. Five would. I'm, I'm losing track. Five is uh, Rogue One. Okay. Four is Return of the Jedi. Three is Empire. Two is The Last Jedi. And one is The Force Awakens. Oh, right. really? Because for, for a second there, I thought you were going to put Last Jedi number one. I, it was close. It's a, it's, they're very, very close. Okay. They but, are very close, yeah. But for me, Force Awakens still comes out on top. Maybe only from... I'm not usually the whole... You know, the first one is better than all the rest kind of guy, but... yeah. The Force Awakens created these characters. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Last Jedi pushes them in a really, really cool way. But I think I have to give the slight nudge to the creation of the characters. And I'm the kind of guy that likes newer movies. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not the the classics are always the best type person. Like, right. I love yeah. innovation in the movies. And I think people get better at stuff as they go. And so I'm always going to kind of lean towards liking newer maybe sure sure. i'm very similar Mm -hmm. and that's how i felt when i went to see the phantom menace too and then i was i quickly reminded like okay it doesn't always work out that way (laughs) (laughs) uh well mine is we're all very different actually to a degree because mine are um the attack of the clones last uh the phantom menace second to last and that's those have flip-flopped a lot the only reason I put Phantom Menace a little higher is because I think it has higher highs. I do also think it has lower lows, but like you have Darth Maul, you have the Padres, a lot Duel of, of Fates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Revenge of the Sith is next on there, so I have all the prequels at the bottom, um, which I know is disappointing to Shannon, but that's okay. <laughs> we can all have different opinions. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, then actually, I have the Last Jedi. So that's, where, that's the biggest wow. controversy for the three of us. So that's we need like, to talk about ooh. what changed between your viewings because yeah, we'll we have to, your opinion shot way down after your second view. No, it didn't shoot way down. It just it just was adjusted to my enjoyment of the other films. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Return of the Jedi, which, by the way, is almost on par for me with Last Jedi. Like the two of them are like basically fighting for that position. Then I have A New Hope and, and The Force Awakens um, tied for third, and then Rogue One, and then Empire Strikes Back. So this so 
Force Awakens, the one we're talking about today, is tied for number three all time. And I just think, I think it's a fantastic film. Yeah. yeah. There's no way around that. It's amazing. I think it's really interesting that, like, your your list seems pretty, like, pretty on par with most people. But then you've got Rogue One as your second, which I feel like is a huge controversy for, like, a lot of fans, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, and we talked a little bit about this on our Rogue One podcast, too, because I think Rogue One is a fantastic film. And oh, yeah. um, I'm it's it's sort of a movie that's custom tailored to Jay Shear. <laughs> and, and, and that's because, you know, it has so much hope in it, but it is ultimately uh, a tragedy as well. And I just love that. I love that perspective. It's so deep and it has so much to offer us. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some of the other films um, are a little bit more just fun blockbusters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one I, I feel like you know you have to stop and consider that uh, that one for a bit, especially because they have um, you know a lot of non-force characters, but who are putting their faith in something that they actually don't use actively, if you will, um, the same way other characters do. So I think I don't know that to me was. Um, just really really cool i like the perspective that that film gave so but you're right that is very controversial there's a lot of people that are like rogue one sucks (laughs) (laughs) well it proved you can make a great movie without a skywalker yeah for real Mm -hmm. you know without even having a jedi yeah Yeah. you need a jedi it's like the closest thing you get is a blind monk oh god why can't i think of your name (laughs) churret yes yes i love him oh my babies yeah he's he's awesome he's so he's so cool i love that i love that movie um, all right, so let's jump into some of these deeper questions I've got for you guys. Uh, Daryl, I'll start with you first on this one. There's this 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And it's almost like a 30-year actual gap and a 30-year gap in the movies. I actually looked it yeah. up. I looked mm-hmm. up the timeline. So um, so you got 30 years between the death of Darth Vader and the presumed death of Emperor Palpatine. I mean, that hasn't really... <laughs> I'm assuming he's dead, <laughs> but you never know. Um and then in the Force Awakens, uh, there's this other, there's another period of unrest. So it's not the Empire anymore. It's not the Rebellion anymore. It's the First Order and the Resistance. And then on top of that, some of the characters that we knew from the original trilogy have really retreated back to their former selves. You got Han and Chewie are smuggling again. Um, Luke has abandoned the world entirely. He's back in a, you know, he started out on a backwater planet that was the furthest, if there's a bright center of the galaxy, it's the planet furthest from. He's even farther, right? Like, (laughs) um, and we don't even know where he is at, at the beginning of this film and they're trying to find him. And Leia is really the only one that bears any resemblance to her character at the close of Return of the Jedi. Although you could argue that even she has retreated back into her more stubborn mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, original A New Hope kind of thinking. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about this setup, Daryl? I think it's awesome. I mean, you can't, if everything is still great, you mm-hmm. know, if they're all just still in happy-go-lucky mode after you know, the Battle of Endor and destroying the Death Star and stuff like that. Where's the story? Like, what do you have to to make a movie about? So there has to be some darkness. There has to be something to overcome, right? Right. And I think it's really great because if you really look at it, it's not just that Han and Chewie have become smugglers again and Luke went and became a hermit and, and Leia is you know, escaping into being a general. 
there's a motivation behind all of it. Mm-hmm. It's all about Kylo. It's all about this introduction of Kylo Ren, who is supposed to be something hopeful for everybody. You know, he's the offspring of Luke and Leia. He's the future of the Jet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, that's Spoiler. George Lucas's fault right there, man. <laughs> that could be why he's so messed up, though. No. <laughs> He's a disturbing, <laughs> disturbing fan theory. Oh no! <laughs> oh, I hope it's not true. <laughs> yeah. It would explain so much. <laughs> <laughs> He's the offspring of Han and Leia. Yeah. So the hope of their relationship. He's also the hope for the future of the Jedi, and it all goes horribly wrong. Mm. So we, of course, that's going to have an effect on the characters. You right, know. Right. And so I think having this setup begin where it is is awesome. There's a lot of mystery to it at the beginning, and it takes a while to figure out why it's all like that. But I think that's great storytelling too. So I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. So you're you're uh, you're pro story beginning. What about you, Shannon? Um, I also like that it structure it's structured like this because it is very similar to you know like A New Hope. But it's very much like. Yes, we ended on a high note with um, Return of the Jedi, but things are still imbalanced. And that it, you're right. Like from a storytelling standpoint, like something has to happen, otherwise there's no story here. Um, and I do think it's interesting because in a lot of the books, you know, they kind of reveal how the First Order came to power and that kind of stuff. And you really do see that after you know Return of the Jedi they didn't really have an idea of how to make things better. They just knew that the Empire was bad and needed to go away. And so instead of fixing the problems that the Republic obviously did have, they just kind of reinstated it. So they didn't really learn anything. So to me, that bleeds perfectly into this, like, again, the same kind of threat rising out of it because we didn't do anything different. Mm, yeah, I love those perspectives. Um, as a as a storyteller, one of the things that I would add to what you guys said was, I think it's a very intriguing setup, and the reason for that is because, you know, we're really wired to see people change, and we're really wired to root for them to improve. We don't really want to see people like downgrade, right? Right. Like we want to see them improve. We want to see people become the best of themselves that they could be. Um, And stories have this amazing ability for our brains to go, why? Why is that happening? Why did this happen? So if you start out with characters who have sort of devolved, if you will, if you start them in a place where it's unfamiliar to us because we would have actually seen them in a far different light. You know, I would have expected almost to see uh Leia being elected supreme chancellor you know and and then Han and Han having this like academy of you know flight or something i don't, I don't that, know that's actually <laughs> that, that's actually where they're at at the beginning of the book bloodline and oh, it all really? kind of yeah it all oh. kind of starts going horribly wrong from there um i don't really know if it's a spoiler but in the book um leia is actually going to be running to become first senator because they decided that they do need some kind of some sort of control and she doesn't really want to be in that person but she's the only person that her party has and basically the secret of her being darth vader's daughter is revealed and it's that 
action that just sends everything into chaos. And a lot of interesting things happen because of that. But that's kind of the beginning of the end for our characters, I think. And that's cool. And that's a, that's a really good way for books to augment the movies so that they that you, that you are given sort of a why. Mm-hmm. But And so I think that that's really cool. And I think that this setup is so intriguing because it's not what we would have expected. And therefore, our brains instantly start to ask the question of like, what happened here? Right. And that's a great setup for the brain to take in stories because we're, we're constantly looking for why. If you, if you wonder um, whether or not that's true, just look at all of the fan theories. That's an <laughs> effort of fans to say, why is this happening? I'm going to try and come up with a theory about why this could be happening. That's the way your brain works. That's why fan theories exist. Yeah. So I think this, is, this movie starts out, I think we're all on the same page. It starts out in a really intriguing, fun place where you're kind of like, what is going to happen next? It really makes you pay attention. It, it like gets your attention immediately because like yeah. you said, like you want to know why are these things happening? So you're immediately taken out of like, oh, this is going to be a fun Star Wars story. And instead you're like really focusing in on what the story is trying to tell you. Yeah. Another reason I loved it too is because we talked about in our Return of the Jedi podcast, you sort of asked this question too, like how do you feel about where Return of the Jedi picks up after Empire? Yes. And I think you didn't like it because it seemed to stray away from like, well, the rebellion wouldn't do that. Like they wouldn't be focusing on that. And and I liked it because it was more focused on the family of characters rather than right. the, you know, the kind of the political war and stuff that was going on. Right. And I think this does the same thing. I think it sort of disregards all of the political stuff and it focuses way more on the family, you know, mm-hmm. and on the impact of having a child that goes bad and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, it just focuses in perfectly on the right stuff because I care about that core of characters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and Shannon asked this question. Shannon sent this question in um, to be addressed in this podcast. And I think it's a fantastic one because this has been something that's come up a lot when people talk about The Force <laughs> Awakens. Um it, it has been accused of being a complete remake of A New Hope, or at least super derivative of it. But, as Shannon points out, like we've also seen that Star Wars has these cyclical arcs to it. Um, so, my question for you guys, or I should, I should say Shannon's question for you guys, <laughs> um, and Shannon, you can answer first, too, and give us your perspective on it, is, is The Force Awakens derivative? Is it cyclical? What is so important about cycles in this in this saga, I guess? Saga. That was a really weird way of saying saga. I was going to say series, and I turned it into saga. Jay is filling away, babe. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I, can't, I cannot say that dude's name for the life of me. Um, so, is there, so, is, okay, so, so let me just repeat it again. Is, is it derivative? Are there cycles going on here that are intentional? Or is there something else going on? I do think it's intentional, and I also think that there's something else going on here. So I I did make a video where I talked about, like, we had the Old Republic, we got the Empire out of that, and then we had the Rebels, and it just just goes back and forth. And I think what is trying to be demonstrated in this is that there is an imbalance in the galaxy, like, in the Force, because the Force is used to kind of, like, visually interpret, like, the turmoil of the galaxy. And I think it's showing us that... Everything we do, we're just kind of, we're always overcoming the dark, but then the light gets too bright and the dark rises up again and it's always going back and forth. And I think that's what 
the beginning of this movie shows us is that we end on such a high note with Return of the Jedi, but you know the brightest light can ca- can cast the darkest shadow. It's just going to rise up again. We have to do something different. We have to change our mindset in order to break this cycle. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that that's. I think that there's definitely that element in this saga. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're going to from the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly seems like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, from a non-story perspective, it totally makes sense. I don't think it's derivative of A New Hope, but I think it's intentionally familiar. Um, because, A, the prequels strayed everything so far away. Yeah. And so to come back and make something that reminds us of A New Hope and go back to that point was brilliant. And also, from a story perspective, like, yeah, I agree with all, everything Shannon said. I think it is cyclical and it's still the Skywalker saga you know right mm-hmm. even though you know Luke is now the Obi-Wan or the Yoda mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> it's still the same saga so all those same themes should continue and there should be some familiarity to that but she's right this the cycle does also need to break which mm-hmm. yeah. it seems like the last Jedi is is beginning to point us towards so. yeah yeah, there's a premise that a lot of movies have played with over the years, and it it's basically referred to as the sins of the father, and it means like the sins of the father are visited upon the children, sort of like, right? And I think it's actually a real life cycle that we see um, around us in the in the normal world, not even in the you know the story story world, but we see that you know if 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 your parents have a propensity towards certain behaviors, guess what? You tend to have that same propensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's a, there's a real life aspect to the cyclical nature of, um, of living, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, on top of that, I think that there's another reason why this was done. And I've mentioned this before. I don't think I've mentioned it on a podcast, but um, I think that the way that J.J. Abrams handled this is artful from a storytelling perspective. And here's why. He has far too many characters to deal with in this film. <laughs> He has the he has all of the original trilogy characters, all of which are beloved. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he has to create a whole new list of characters that we also have to love or hate. So for 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 me, I go, you know what? Um, whereas you look at a film like Rogue One, which is largely a plot driven film. Um, of course, we love the characters, but I'm saying like it's largely a plot driven. film. The whole premise of that film is we need to fill in the gap that was left yeah um this is this is not not so this is actually a character driven film and yet you have too many characters to deal with so the fastest way to do that and have meaningful arcs for each of your characters is to give us is to not have to explain new new plot lines yeah Yeah. if he had to go into well there's this new thing and like the new artifact and all the stuff they're looking for like what is the artifact what does it do why but if he just says there's a star killer base why would they want to build this? Because people build cyclical things and they knew that the Death Star was really good. They had really good plans for that. And they went, how do we make a more powerful Death Star? We could blow up five planets at a time. Let's do that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that um, that allows for him to play with the characters in such a way 
that the plot doesn't have to even suffer. It can be almost identical to A New Hope, which, by the way, is an awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think that I think you guys are 100% right. I think there's, uh, there's a cyclical nature that they're showing here, which I think is really important and really critical to Daryl's favorite concept of <laughs> legacy. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think it also, uh, as you guys say, it's just, it's just, um, it's, uh, okay, fine. Call what we just all talked about derivative. Fine, call it that. It's still an excellent film. I don't care well, if it's derivative. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, like this film, like from a non storytelling standpoint, this film had to do a lot of things because it had to like re energize the franchise. It had to get old fans excited. It had to get new fans excited. It had to end old storylines. It had to start new storylines. And you're 100% right. It's so much easier to do that if you're using things that are already familiar. So it may be very similar, but could you imagine if we tried to introduce all kinds of new things? You would have lost just so many people and you would not have gotten the reception that you had gotten for this film. Yeah, yeah. No, no question. And hopefully from a a trilogy perspective after we see episode nine and see the culmination of all of this stuff, I think we'll find that it's brilliant because yes, they're telling what's going on now, 30 years later, but the story is just as much about what happened in between as it Mm -hmm. is about what's happening now. Yes. So they give you this premise where there's a lot of familiarity, but everything is different. And it's Mm -hmm. like, and you're like, why? Like what happened? And that's a big part of what the story they're telling, too. And I also love that, you know, Shannon, as you're talking about all the stuff that they had to accomplish in this film, they also had to honor the original trilogy of characters, shall we say, Han, Luke, and Leia, but also give enough credibility and really start to build up their new characters. Yeah. Which is a terribly difficult balance. Oh, my gosh, yeah. (laughs) And I think they pull it off so well, and one of the ways they do it is by not giving the fans something that they think they want, which is this ultimate reunion between Luke and Han and Leia. Right. Yeah, because it's not there. It's they're still part of the story, but it's not necessarily about them anymore, yeah. which I think a lot of fans forget. And I think at the end of the day, if the, if if we as fans would have sat back and thought about it, we don't really want that. I don't think we really want a reunion of Luke and Han and Leia. Because at the end of the day, if they if they were to give us that again, it takes some power away from the original trilogy. For sure. It takes some power away from the ending of Return of the Jedi, where they have that happy family moment. So this way, that happy family moment remains intact. Like, that's the iconic moment, and we don't get that again. So Absolutely. Yeah. It, totally. it hurts a little, and it hurts to see Han <laughs> die, but I think it's it's good storytelling. Wait, but it's does. more impactful that way. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is more impactful that way. I agree, Shannon. It is mm. that is very true. Um, and it also it also you know when we're I, I was talking about storytelling and the brain, and if the brain were to get the same story over and over and over again. I mean, your brain's response to stories is a positive response, which usually means dopamine. I don't want to get all super scientific here, but <laughs> um, but guess what happens when you see the same thing over and over and over again? Your dopamine response uh, stops working as well. You ha- you get less satisfaction out of it. So you have to you have to give us the things that we love and then tweak them, or else we won't love them anymore. <laughs> you know, it's true. So it's totally true. Um, 
I want to continue talking about characters because, I mean, these are, I mean, pretty amazing characters. Um, and characters are oftentimes defined by their needs and their wants. And in regards to our new characters, I wanted to get each of your takes on what these new characters are all about based on their needs and wants. So we'll just go one character at a time. Shannon, I'll start with you, and then we'll go to Daryl after. Um, and we'll start with Ray. What is Ray's want and what is her need? All right. So I do want to preface this before I say anything that I think with all of these characters, what they want and what they need isn't unsimilar, but they're definitely going about it the wrong way. So like mm. with Ray, she wants to feel like she belongs, like she wants to know that somebody out there loves her. And she's, you know, doing that by staying in one place, thinking that her parents are going to come back for her. But what she needs is to be looking to the future. She needs to become her own person. She's been, she's too weighed down by her past that she can't move forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have a similar takeaway, Daryl? Yeah, it's funny with, with Ray, it almost, when I was thinking about this question, it almost feels like there's not a whole lot of difference between her want and her need because mm. she's mm -hmm. so sort of in this desperate place, yeah. you know, like she's alone on this planet essentially and everything is ripped away. And what she wants is to know who she is and what her identity is and how does she matter and what's her purpose. That all sounds like pretty legitimate needs to me. She's just going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, I have very similar to Shannon. I have um, her want is to be reunited with her family. That's why she keeps wanting to go back to Jakku. She wants whoever left her. She wants to be reunited with those people. In fact, she's keeping that giant board that she's like scratching into every, every day that goes by. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's super heartbreaking. But, and Maz says this to her, there's a moment in the film where Maz says to her, like, you need to stop looking for what was and you need to start looking for what will be. And she doesn't mm -hmm. say it in those words, but that's what she, that's her indication. Yeah. Of what the belonging she says. you seek is ahead. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So her want is to be reunited with her family. Her need is to find meaning and purpose with a new family. Yeah. So very similar to what you said, Shannon. Um, and I think that, that, that that's such a powerful thing in this film because that sums up Ray's character so, so well about what, what she's all about, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, she even, she's got this death grip on, like, she, she doesn't even change her hair. She doesn't move from that spot. Like, if you look at her in that flashback, she has not changed at all because she is just so sure that if she just stays the same, doesn't change... That means that her parents or whoever left her there can find her and she can be reunited. And that's not true. And I think we see that realization in The Last Jedi when her hair falls down and she doesn't put it back up again because that's not going to be her anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What a, what a cool um, character design like costume design, character design, makeup, hair. What a cool <laughs> like representation of that visually, you know? Mm -hmm. um, all right, so let's go into Finn. So Shannon, what do you think Finn's want and need are? So Finn's a little bit tricky, but I think what he wants is just to be like free of the First Order. He's never had a life of his own, and he makes a decision that he wants to start thinking for himself. 
And he's going to do that by running away. Like, he doesn't want to join up. He doesn't want to fight back. He just wants to run away and be free of it. But I think he does need to stay and fight with the resistance and to try and, you know, take down this thing that made him the way that he is to, like, help liberate other people. But he just thinks that he needs to keep running where really he needs to stay and fight back. Mm. Yeah, totally. What do you have, Daryl? Yeah, I think he, uh, you know, growing up as part of the First Order and as a stormtrooper, he is part of something bigger than himself. Yeah. But in a way that he has absolutely no control over Mm. and he can't inform it in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, while he may think he wants to run away, I think his context is that he does want to be part of something bigger, but he wants to be part of something he can believe in Mm -hmm. and something that he thinks is right and not something that has been thrust upon him. Yeah, I, I had the exact same notes as Shannon on this one. And, I, and as I was looking at it, I did realize, because you said it you said it too, Shannon, you're like, it's a little tricky because like usually usually the want is, um, from a storytelling perspective, uh, from, well, from a writer's storytelling perspective, usually the want is something that is maybe more surface level. Like, I want to be... I want to be perceived as awesome or I want to achieve this quest or I want to do, but, but the need is somewhat deeper. It's below the surface. It's like more of an emotional thing. And I think Finn is the one that's a little trickier to understand because he clearly has emotional needs, but they don't dive into those emotional needs a lot. So like I had exactly what you had Shannon in terms of like, he wants to escape the tyranny of the first order, but then he needs to gain the courage to fight the tyranny of the first order but i'm not exactly sure what the emotion is that he needs right. to resolve to be able to get there yeah and I, I think people have that problem with we wanted to see that in the last jedi and we don't really get that because um, he doesn't get as much time as he does in this movie so we still don't really know all we know from the beginning of The Force Awakens, yeah, The Force Awakens, is that he makes a decision that he doesn't want to be like this anymore. Like, he he wants to have some sort of control, but we still don't really know how that's affected him emotionally and what exactly he's moving towards, except that he's just running away. Exactly, exactly. That's a great way of putting it. And I'm worried that, well, not worried, but his his backstory mm-hmm. and the whole even just the whole concept of taking children and turning them into stormtroopers instead of having clones and stuff. Yeah. I really want to, I'm curious about that. I want to oh, see what that too. looks like. So I would love to know more about his backstory. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to get it. I think for him, it's all about where he's going and I don't think they're going to look back. Yeah. Cause they're already looking back so much on Ray and Kylo. So yeah. I just don't think we're going to get that out of him, yeah. but I think that might make a good, um, like a standalone film or they might explore that in some novels that would be really great because he did something amazing by unmasking a stormtrooper but i think they haven't utilized it the way that they could have absolutely uh we will move on to poe so shannon what do you think what is poe's want what is poe's need well in this film we don't get too much of him but i think it's already obvious that he wants to be the hero. You know, he's the trigger happy flyboy. He wants to blow stuff up. He he wants to be the hero. And I think we don't really learn about what he needs until the last Jedi, but you can kind of see that in the Force Awakens, he he needs some like he he kind of just needs somebody to like 
give him a direction because I feel like he's very caught up in the heroics. He's the ace pilot. He's the one that takes down Starkiller base. But later on, we see that that doesn't really have a direction. Like, you, you know, you can have heroes, but they just turn out to be dead heroes. Like, he needs to figure out how to be a leader and to channel that. Yes. Uh, what about you, Daryl? Yeah, I agree. I think he... Uh... I think things are going to get real dark for him in episode nine. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, he wants to be the hero. He wants to be the kind of the embodiment of the resistance and mm-hmm. fight back. But there's also something really deep about his connection to Leia and his devotion to her that I think goes beyond just wanting to be the hero and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I think he deeply believes in what she's trying to do and in her as a leader. So I'm curious to watch that. Yeah. See what see what that looks like in episode 9 knowing that we don't have Carrie Fisher for episode 9. Yeah, yeah. seeing you how know? he steps up yeah. when she's completely out of the equation yeah. would be something interesting. But he's also interesting in that relationally he seems to be kind of the most grounded of all of them. Like it's easy for him to make friends, you know, he makes friends with with Finn real quick. Storm pilot. Yeah. (laughs) And and they're... Okay, this is a bit of a tangent, but their friendship in both this movie and The Last Jedi Uh is a little on the cheesy side. It's like, buddy, you're alive. So are you. (laughs) You know? It's so cute. It's so cute. And at first it it kind of annoyed me. I'm like, oh. But then I'm like, no, that's awesome. Like, just be friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that there's... We have more to learn about the wants and needs of Poe, but yeah, yeah. I think there's there's definitely more to him. Yeah, there definitely is. I have like the exact same notes as Shannon. Like <laughs> we're so just on the same wavelength, we're man. We're on the same page. Yeah. Thank God I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Shake yeah. it up, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep, wants to be a hero, needs to be a leader, and uh, and I don't know, like like we talked about with Finn. I think there's more to be discovered there. So I'm glad that we we all we all agree on that. Um. All right, so let's get to probably one of the most intriguing characters in the history of Star Wars. Shannon, what do you think Kylo Ren's wants and needs are? So this is already hard for me because after the uh, the Last Jedi, I have like completely separated Kylo Ren and Ben Solo in my mind into two different people. <laughs> so as far as Kylo's concerned, or at least from what we see in this film, I think what he wants is to live up to this Skywalker legacy because he's had Snoke whispering in his ear. He thinks that this is the way forward, that, you know, he needs to finish what Darth Vader started. This is how he fits into the narrative. Like, there's so much writing on him. But he's looking so far into the future that he hasn't even stopped to think about who he is. He's just like, oh, I'm the heir apparent of Darth Vader. It's like, but are you? Like, he needs to look inside himself and figure out what exactly it is that he wants out of this when you take everybody else out of the equation. Mm. Yeah, that's good. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, he's he's just like a like an emo teenager. Like I'd... <laughs> He is. The fan account emo Kylo Ren is like the best thing on Twitter, let's be honest. It is really funny. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think he totally knows what he wants. He wants power. He wants control. But I think he really just wants that within himself. Like he says, I'm being torn apart. You know, he says that to Han. Yeah. Which I think is totally true. 
Right. You know, it didn't quite go the way we thought it was going to, but yeah. he was honest about that. And he wants to live up to, um, to Vader. But I think he also feels that Vader was wrong. You know, like there's so much conflict in him, which is so fun to see because I feel like it's when we watch Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, they talk more about the conflict in Vader mm-hmm. than we see it. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't see a whole lot of conflict in Vader at all until the Emperor starts, you know, hitting Luke with force lightning and stuff like <laughs> <Right>. that, you know. <laughs> um, but with Kylo, you can really see it. You can really see it, see it ripping at him and stuff like that. So I, I, he may want power and control, but I think what he really needs mm-hmm. is just to figure out who he is and stop trying to, to mm. force himself into something that he doesn't fit into. Yeah, exactly. So on this one, we all have a little bit different answers, but I think all of them are true, which makes him such a complex character. Because, and I, and I actually think that the way that Shannon worded the want is probably better than the way I'm wording the want, because I'm taking a little bit from The Last Jedi when I give this want. So <laughs> my want is worded as to restore order to the universe through domination. And I'm, there's a little bit of that in The Force Awakens because we're getting a little bit of a perspective of Vader, and that's kind of what Vader wanted to do. Um, Vader really wanted to solve all of his emotional problems by controlling everything. Um, See, but... Uh, well, and That's so I, weird to me because <laughs> I don't feel like we get... If, until we get to the prequels... I don't feel like we get any of Vader's oh, no. emotional problems. Oh, no, no. I'm using the prequels as... I'm, I'm, okay. I'm including the Yeah, prequels. as context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I, w- I would say, like, to me, he... he Like, we're, we, there's a question about this later on, so I'll talk about it more then. But I, I just feel like he doesn't want... He wants control, but it's more within himself. I don't really think yeah. he wants to rule it all like he does kind of say in the last jedi like you know we could you know like just burn everything down just forget it all he does become the supreme leader but i don't think that's actually what he wants like i think he's just so conflicted that he just he needs to figure it out for himself first but like i don't think it's control and power that he's necessarily after yes exactly it's sort of like what he says he's after right? yeah what he thinks he should be after exactly you know what it is? here's what he wants yeah he wants to be luke he wants to be Luke instead of oh well yeah that's kind of true I think that's what he wants yeah he wants, he wants to be the Jedi hero yeah, yeah. that's true so mm-hmm. here's what I think he needs I think he needs to be accepted without it being dependent upon his performance ooh mm. I like right that. so the so like and if you look at it like everything everything that we know about Kylo is dependent upon someone wanting Kylo to be a certain way. Yes, um, and I think nobody has ever just I, Han tried to do it last minute, right? He's like, <laughs> "No, you're my son," you know. And he's like, "No, well, that's too late, Dad. <laughs> Done," you know. Like, um, and I think I want to come back to that. I want to talk about that moment. Yeah, okay, I, but I, I finish wanna, your thought. Yeah, finish yeah. your thought. <laughs> well, so I just I just think that like the in his entire life he's been told like it, it is about your performance. And I think this is why Kylo can be related to by so many different people is because he is such a complex character yeah. that like we can all say like, oh yeah, I kind of feel like that too. Right. Um, <laughs> he's like the embodiment of all people's, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, I'm, I'm looking for the word to say that you're you're not thinking correctly about life or whatever. Yeah. Oh, whatever that um, word is. Dysfunctional. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, dysfunctional. I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Neur- uh, neuroses. Oh. He's like mm. the he's like the embodiment of so many different neuroses. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a psychology <laughs> major. Yeah. So. But but you're you're so right though. Like every single person in his life has been trying to tell him what to be and how to act and like that's what leads him to you know like it, that's what lets Snoke corrupt him because he's feeding off of that insecurity that him not knowing who he is and trying to live up to other people and like it's still with him and it, it just tears him apart and that's one of the things that I love about the Raylo stuff that we get in The Last Jedi because she they make it a point to show that like she sees Ben Solo underneath this and she's the first person that's ever done that to him absolutely mm. you wanted to circle back to the moment yeah so the moment when he when when we'll call him ben i yeah. guess at that point he's more <laughs> ben than kylo when ben kills han yeah so um it's one of my favorite moments in the movie not because i'm dark and morbid and like watching han solo <laughs> die but because it happens at the point where they are desperately trying to destroy the oscillator, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And prevent Starkiller Base from firing the weapon. And Poe says at one point, he's like, as long as we can still see that sun, there's hope. Yeah. Mm. And so there's that moment where Kylo is talking to, to Han uh-huh. and he's telling him, I'm being torn apart. Will you help me? Yeah. And I think I really believe that that's genuine. I think at that point, yeah, he really is reaching out to his father. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sun goes away and everything turns dark and everything turns red. Mm-hmm. Oh, the lighting in that scene is so good. Yeah, and that's when he kills Han. So I guess my question, obviously I think I gave away my answer, but my question is, do you think that is completely symbolic or do you think the sun disappearing and everything turning red, do you think something changed in kylo in that brief second do you think he would have killed han had that had that not happened that is a good question (laughs) i think about this all the time i love this scene because i like to listen to the musical score behind it um because to me that reveals that there is still hope in him because i feel like if they were trying to say i mean they do kind of say with the lighting you know like him killing han that's the end of it he's evil I feel like they would have played his theme or like the Darth Vader theme, but they don't like the music is so sad and you just Mm. really feel it. And I feel like what's happening is that he's being torn apart and to him, like, will you help me? He thinks that he needs to snuff out the light in order to make the pain go away. And he thinks maybe if he kills his father, that'll help. And after he kills him, it doesn't help like he's still completely conflicted and it it just didn't work at all and you still see that in the next film like he hesitates to kill his mother because it it didn't help to kill his father if anything it just tore him apart even more yeah and i think in that moment he actually is reaching out to han and i think he does want him i don't think he's going to kill him at that moment until he's suddenly reminded of the darkness and stuff like that and then he's Mm -hmm. like oh, wait, no, the way to save myself is to snuff out the light. Right. And so he kills him. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer the question yet because my, my, my true answer to that question lies in another answer to okay, another question. Okay, I have okay, okay. But, but I, think that, I think it's a great question, though. Yeah. And it does cycle back to that, so we'll get to it eventually. Just remind me if I don't tie it back. Okay. Um, 
All right, so now we've talked about all the characters, we've talked about all their wants and needs, but now what I want to know is, this is maybe the easiest question on here, <laughs> um, and Daryl, we'll start with you. Which of the new characters is your favorite and why? Um, I'm going to say something really controversial <laughs> that I've said before. By the way, that's what we now uh, that we do that now on this show. We yeah. announce yeah. controversy. We do. We just want you to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's about to get uncomfortable. I mean, I kicked that off right away with my rundown. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I think my favorite character in all of Star Wars uh-huh. is Kylo Ren. Full Ooh, agreement. All of Star Wars. All of Star Wars. Wow. I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> I think he is by far the most complicated. Yeah. The most intriguing. Uh-huh. Um, I love, love the idea that they took this thing as regal or imposing and menacing as the Empire. Yeah. And turned it into the First Order, which to me feels like this aimless evil organization run by people who really don't know what to do with the remnants and the crap of the empire and so they just continue the evil you know (laughs) yeah and kylo he's like he's like a 13 year old in charge of (laughs) an entire army yeah you know yeah and he doesn't even know how to deal with his own emotions let alone lead people and it's just it's such an unexpected way to go like I think of the scenes in this movie where he is you know the scene where he's flipping out and he's destroying the console with his lightsaber and he's just having a little baby temper tantrum <laughs> like my one and a half year old does when you don't <laughs> feed him yeah yeah you know yeah. Well, he's and the two stormtroopers are like oh and they walk away and it's just to show I know I'm leaning towards a question you're going to ask later here but to show evil in that way yeah is so fascinating to me oh mm. yeah absolutely so, yeah yeah, he. I'll, go ahead, Shannon. Oh yeah, he he's just he's so complex, and there's just so much there, like all this emotional trauma, and just him never being good enough for anybody. Everybody telling him how to be. He's you know so lonely and just doesn't know where he's going, and it just like I think about his possible. I still think it's gonna happen. Redemption arc all the freaking time and it just causes me like physical pain like it's it's amazing i can't believe they've done they've made a character like this it's just it blows my mind and perfect casting i know we're not talking about that no adam driver's performance in the last jedi though like his eyes it's insane you can see like everything i um i have a note here that says because i have a different favorite character um who's also one of my favorite characters of all Star Wars time. So one of the new characters. But one of the notes I have is um, that Adam Driver is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Like, without question, is an amazing actor. Okay, I have to talk about <laughs> something that's coming up in my head. So yeah. <laughs> Last Jedi is supposed to pick up immediately after The Force Awakens. Correct. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the two movies in succession, obviously Adam Driver's been putting a lot of time in at the gym. <laughs> yeah. in between I mean, these two you know, movies. Kylo Ren's got an eight pack. Pass it on. Yeah, exactly. and that's that's what I'm talking about. So I watched the the Saturday Night Live undercover boss sketch. I love that with so Kylo much. Ren. Yeah, and he says he's Supervisor like, Matt I heard he has an eight pack. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, Matt, the radar technician. <laughs> that actually feeds into the Last Jedi. Like I know, so right? Funny. Even so though they funny. can't explain it story wise, it's not like he had enough time to buff up in between the two movies it's still yeah well dude dude was a marine 
He was so, a Marine. Yeah. Legit, right? I yeah, mean, but like, he just seemed scrawnier in the first one. He did seem a little scrawnier. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah he did just a little bit. I mean, and you can you can just tell like little things, I think, you know, with the styling of his hair sometimes, you know. He's so extra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's um obviously in between films you have these minor things but think of think of what they would have as steroids oh my gosh yeah <laughs> so the spice mines yeah, exactly. one of my favorite things though is like somebody was like like oh i i waited around shirtless all day for my uh force time conversation yeah. but she never called <laughs> like, oh my god that's hilarious uh, that's awesome <laughs> Um, all right, so my favorite character of the new characters is one of my favorite characters of all time, just like you said, and it's Ray. Um, she, she's a close second for me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of it for me has to do specifically with Daisy Ridley and J.J. Abrams. Yeah. So I think that they made this character amazing. This character could have gone a number of different ways. We could have thought that she was just basically a Luke clone in, mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. Um but I think Daisy Ridley's performance is fantastic. I think even The Last Jedi, it gets even better. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think J.J. Abrams, there was a story coming out of uh, The Force Awakens where, remember when they remember when Han Solo got hurt? Or it's not Han Solo. Remember when Harrison Ford got hurt? He, yeah. got, he herniated a disc or something or, yeah, or sprained yeah. an ankle or something. And they had to stop filming his scenes. And J.J. Abrams, watching the dailies, went back and said, oh, you know what? I don't really love the Ray-Finn interaction. I'm going to reshoot some of these scenes. Well, I think one of the things that we're seeing it, when we see the new scenes, the movie that we, as we see it today, is that um, Ray was probably a little bit more unlikable. Because if you mm. notice, there's some scenes where she really pushes it, like when she's telling, um, when she's telling Finn to find the tape, uh, the bonding tape, and she's like really getting after him. And there's also a moment when she's really antagonistic to him in the in the desert area. Um, and she's always kind of a little bit belligerent, but I bet you a lot of those scenes were, were like, you know what, we need to lighten Ray up a little bit and to make her more likable. And I think they did a brilliant job of it. I mean, I think that Ray is just a fantastic character through and through. And I'm going to say this, anybody who thinks that um, Ray is a Mary Sue uh, should go take a look at freaking Poe Dameron, dude. Yeah, like, for real. If anybody he is, is such a Mary a Sue. Sue. <laughs> yeah, it is Poe Dameron. It is Poe At Dameron. least in the first one. In the yeah. first one. In the first one. Because dude has like no force ability that we know of. And he's amazing. And he's the ace pilot. Yeah, he's amazing. It's, somebody said it the other day. Someone said he's a better pilot than Anakin who uses the force and Vader. Or sorry, and Vader. And Luke who uses the force. Like... Anyways, that's just a side rant, yeah. but um, she, I do well, not believe that she's a Mary Sue. No, 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 no. no. And I, I like what you said about, like, some people were afraid that she was going to be, like, a Luke clone. And I think that's another thing that's so interesting about all these characters. Because I think going into it, and, like, even people, um, I know, like, at work that aren't into Star Wars, they're like, oh, is that the new Darth Vader? Is she, like, the new Luke? And it's like, you can't answer those questions because they are so different it's like Mm -hmm. it's they're they're similar you can see the similarities but they are just not the same at all and it's really amazing because like Ray's character we're starting to see something in her that we've never seen before this balance inside of her and it's really really cool she's a amazing main character and I love her to death as a female protagonist it's just she's doing like great things 
Yeah, I, she's I awesome. I could not agree more, yeah. I agree. She's she's very close to Kylo, too. But for me, I think what puts Kylo out ahead is... The sad Ray puppy dog has, eyes. What's that? <laughs> the sad puppy dog the, eyes. Yes. <laughs> the eight-pack. <laughs> I love puppy dog eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, see, Ray still has mystery. We still don't know where Ray comes from. Yeah. Um, I know in The Last Jedi, Kylo would seem to tell her, but I don't believe him. Yeah. Well, th- we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we still don't know where Ray comes from. Mm. Um, and we do know where Kylo comes from. And for me, knowing that does not take away any of the intrigue about him. Like he's still just such a well-written character that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You did not rise. What is he going to say? You didn't rise from the dark side. I, I know your family. <laughs> like, dude just gets chopped in half. Yeah, I what's up with that guy? To you. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the more I think, the, the more I like think back to The Force Awakens, I'm like, who was that guy? Like, what's going on? I know. On? He's like giving all this like, re- like, like. He gives very, all this exposition. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. who are you? <laughs> That's brilliant casting too, because we're to- we're totally fine not knowing who that guy is yeah. because mm-hmm. they cast Max von Sydow to play him. We're like, <laughs> okay, he's got all the sci-fi cred in the world. Like, who cares? Yeah, that's, <laughs> you true. Know? that's true. Obviously, he's important. That's yeah. very true. Um, I, all right, I almost so. think... Oh, I, do, I really want to say one thing about him before we move yeah, yeah. on. That, that guy, I, I almost think after seeing The Last Jedi, it's very symbolic that this old man like says a lot of the things that like we know and like the ways that we've been thinking about the Jedi needing to come back and the light side, that kind of stuff. And he dies immediately. Like that's Mm -hmm. very representative of old things dying and like new things coming forth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And a great progression. I know we're going to keep talking about last Jedi, but (laughs) a great progression between the two movies because he says there can be no balance without the Jedi. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he then does. Luke comes around and says, it's vanity I love to that think line. that if the Jedi die, the light dies. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, almost a precursor to question four, but we're only on the added question. Sorry. Which actually <laughs> is now, is, I think this is now question four, maybe. Um, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> But I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that, um, so first, first let me just give a preface by saying that the original trilogy films had a preponderance of white male actors. Um, And that's not super unusual for movies that were made in the 70s. Um, But in this new trilogy, in this sequel trilogy, we have three new lead characters on the Resistance side that are female, Hispanic, and black. And I just wanted to know from your guys' perspective what sort of impact that has. And so I'll start with Shannon. I I think it's really amazing. Um, Just from like a like a direction kind of point in this time and age like that's what we want to see we want to see this representation and it's high time that something as influential as star wars finally has that and i've been reading a lot of articles actually about the introduction of the rose character who's you know like an asian female lead and it's just it's really important to have that representation to show that you know like heroes can be anybody like you don't have to just be like a white dude to like be a hero you can literally be anyone i think it's really awesome that star wars is showing that now yeah absolutely what about you daryl yeah i mean obviously it's great to have some more representation and just some some different looking faces and different perspectives and stuff like that so that's awesome. Yeah. But I also love that they just made great characters. 
right. out of all yeah. of them too. You know, it wasn't just. It wasn't to... let's do let's be diverse to be diverse. Like exactly. they actually made it work. Yeah, and and it's and they made great characters who have a reason for being diverse and stuff like that. And I love the casting of Finn because I love, you know, the whole stormtrooper thing and you know, these stormtroopers are white and faceless, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And to have him be a stormtrooper, I, I think it's just so unexpected. So mm-hmm. Yeah, great representation, but great characters to back it up. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with both of you guys. Um, one thing I'll add is that I, I hear this complaint sometimes from people, and I just want to address it as I think you better said a different way. Because I think some people will say a lot of times like, oh, well, this story wasn't any good because it was all white people. And I think we need to actually separate like stories from ethnicity and nationality yeah because Mm -hmm. the story can be good no matter what characters what the ethnicity of the characters are what the nationality of your characters are like that doesn't matter we don't make we're not trying to get more diversity in the film because it would it would somehow create better stories what we're trying to do is and you guys use the word which is awesome is representation Mm -hmm. we're trying to give Mm -hmm. people we're trying to give as many people as possible a means to come together around the stories because the stories mean something to us collectively. Yeah. So it's the only reason I say that is because I think it, we need to have an, uh, uh, an argument for this that is a really bold one in that we say we need representation for stories to impact as many people as they possibly can. So when we are able to have these different characters, it doesn't mean the stories get better or worse, but they become more people's stories. Yeah, We get to have conversations where everybody feels like they've been represented in some way and that, um, and that it can be a conversation that's basically um, shared, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I think it's really amazing that they have these characters. I think you guys have hit the nail on the head that they don't just do it um, sort of like the oh we'll just run the diversity filter they actually make the characters amazing characters yeah oh yeah um so i'm i'm really stoked about it and i think that um it just means that we get to have now now i do think one, one nuance I'll, I'll add to what i said before about this the quality of the stories i do think you get to see things from different perspectives, so the stories themselves may change a little bit. You, you can tell more stories. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You can tell different stories. And I think that's what—that's why representation is important, because look at us. Like we're white. Yes. And yeah. I don't think we feel the oppression of not being represented in movies. <laughs> like no. that's not a problem for us. Yeah. So. From our cultural perspective, it's hard to get behind the battle for representation because we don't have to fight it. We are mm-hmm. represented. Right. But when you truly care about representing something and you tell a good story that represents it well, yep. then you show everybody it's not just about, oh, I want to be represented in a movie. It's about showing representing different cultures and different sides of things is truly a better way to tell a story in many cases. You yeah, know? it's a better way yeah. to understand the world around us. Like I was, I was thinking about in the, when we were having the conversation about the difference between Luke and Ray, and is Ray just another Luke? I was like, well, if they had made Ray just another Luke, I don't even think it would have felt correct. Like, like Luke's story was told as a young white male in the seventies, 
Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing Ray's story as a young, obviously Caucasian female, um, in the in the when, when did this movie come out? Twenty twenty fifteen. Fifteen, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a completely different experience that that character is going to go through. If we put her through the exact same experience as Luke, we'd be like, I don't, I don't know that. that yeah, feels it quite makes right. zero sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, so like like Shannon said, we get to tell more stories, and these stories are awesome. And the, and the people around us, um, who are represented by these characters, get to say, "I'm so excited about this story." And we get to say, if we're not closed off and stupid about it, apologize if you're offended by that. But actually, no, I actually don't apologize. <laughs> like actually, I don't apologize. Don't you should offended. not be that way. Uh, yeah, but I get to root for my friends now. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about rooting just for me all the time. I can root for other people around me as well. Why yeah. can't I do that? Totally. Totally. That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.